Welcome to Leader You by Black River Performance Management, where we believe work should fuel the human spirit, not drain it. In this leadership podcast, we will dive into the lived experiences of people flourishing in today's workplace and beyond. Join us to hear real-life examples of experiences from our own lives and from the leaders we know and trust. Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Leader You podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Sarah Draper. She is the founder of Leading Well Strategies, LLC, a well-being coaching and training business for leaders. Sarah knows that healthy organizational cultures start with healthy leaders, and her purpose is to help leaders be well, to lead well, and to create space for all to thrive. Sarah is a retired FBI supervisory special agent, having spent 20 years in the FBI serving in Oregon, Virginia, and Idaho. Prior to the FBI, she was an officer in the Army, Army Military Police Corps for eight years and served in Germany, South Korea, and Washington, and led units on deployments in Croatia and Kosovo. Sarah has a BS in Environmental Science from the U.S. Military Academy and an MA in Organizational Leadership from Gonzaga University. Goes eggs. She has certifications as a positive psychology practitioner, a resilience practitioner, a health well-being coach, a lifestyle medicine coach, a yoga instructor, and an executive certificate in business communications. Her final FBI assignment was an instructor at the national at the FBI National Academy, a residential education program for law enforcement executives from around the world. As a University of Virginia adjunct, Sarah taught graduate and undergraduate courses in leadership and wellness, allowing her to share her passions for human performance, leadership, mindfulness, positive psychology, and well-being. She's married with two teenage daughters, and her family lives in Boise, Idaho, where they love to do all things outdoors. Bike, ski, camp, hike, run, and cheer the kids on from the sidelines in their sports. Thank you for joining me and for being on the podcast today, Sarah. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. Thanks, Angie. I love to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so. It's so incredible reading your bio because there's so many things that I believe that we cross on and we are aligned on, and. it's super exciting to see you in this new part of your journey after retiring from the FBI. And we met at the Women in Leadership Conference in Boise, and we were both speakers there. Yes. And uh, I just really kind of was drawn to you right away when we got to have the speakers um, luncheon or drinks and, and dinner. And I really felt like we connected on a really on a really good level, and um, getting to know you a little bit more and uh, a conversation has really helped me to kind of see one of the reasons why we kind of jived. I think is because we're so similar in our behavioral style and also in our driving forces, and so that was interesting to learn. But even reading your bio, there's just so many things that I mean. I think we could have some amazing conversations, but. What we're here today to talk about is uh, one of the leadership competencies is continuous learning. And that showed up as one of your your top skill is that you are a continuous learner. And we define continuous learning as taking initiative to regularly learn new concepts, technologies, or methods. And so thank you for coming. I I really want to glean some information and wisdom from you on you know, how you become such a continuous learner, what that means to you, how you got down this path. But first, let's start off with your story, um, because 
I bet you didn't grow up and think you'd be doing this. And so like, how did your journey start? And, and of course, you've lived around the world. So just kind of give us the, the, the 411 on your, your story. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, thanks for that awesome introduction. Um, I was laughing as you're as you're going through it, because the only thing I shake my head at, I guess, at this at that introduction, that bio and and that I haven't yet come to terms with is the fact that my kids are teenagers. <laughs> like life goes so fast. So so to start with, like how, how in the world did I get here doing this? I I grew up um, I grew up in a, a family, not a military family, and my dad had served in the Navy after after high school, but long before I'd been born. Um, but it just after traveling this country with my parents growing up, I felt a call to service, and I loved our country, and I kind of thought it would be a nice way to combine those two things through a, a military service. So I ended up at the military academy, and loved uh, serving the army afterwards and, and really, really enjoyed that for a lot of reasons, um, largely the people part. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's truly my heart and soul is people and has been for a very, very, probably my entire life. Um, after that, I, I was married to a, a guy I met in the army and he ended up in the FBI. And so I ended up in the FBI too. I and mean, really just because that's what, how to keep the careers aligned, the army and the FBI, the time didn't work together. We've, we've worked since 20 years have passed, 20, more than 20 years have passed. We, we work a lot better together now, but at the time our assignments weren't, um, we were supposed to be on different continents essentially. So mm-hmm. So I came in the FBI and I continued to, to follow that path of serving people and serving a, a greater mission. How I am now here in Idaho, the first trip to Idaho a number of years ago, we first moved here about 10 years ago and fell in love with it. We came here sight unseen and it just ended up being the perfect place to raise our family. And we love the outdoors and we just so much to, to this state and these communities here. And we left to finish up our careers back doing our kind of our ideal jobs and made our kids a deal that if they still wanted to come back to Boise once we could retire from the FBI, that we would find our way back here. So we have found our way back here. Nice. And, and in doing that, yeah, I just created this um, created this business uh, leading well strategies to bring my my I think my purpose for helping others, um, specifically leaders, be their best so they can lead their best and change cultures. And, and um, I founded that just a few months back this summer, and I, I'm getting this thing started to I really believe that we can we can make positive change through our organizations. And we need to empower people with the one, the, the skills to do that, but also the, the appreciation of the need to take care of themselves. Oh, that is so good. So good. I'm so excited to talk more about this because it just gets me fueled. Speaking of yeah. which, um, our, our motto is, and our belief is that work should fuel the human spirit, not drain it. So how does what we're doing align with your work? Oh my gosh, completely. Like work should fuel the human spirit, um, not drain it. I, that is this so beautiful. I was reflecting on that a little bit yesterday because that fueling part is, is, uh, in that terminology, right? There's so much proactivity to that and so much intention to that. And that's how we have to be with our organizations and our cultures. And and I focus in on leaders because for two reasons, like being a leader is tough. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes our 
our leaders are our best doers or they're really good at the job. And, and we don't, in some organizations, we don't spend a lot of time developing them. And so the, those challenges and burdens of leadership can really um, long-term impact someone in, in a way that can impact their, their, you know, impact their quality of life, impact their health and so many things. And so I focus on leaders because I care about leaders and, and as humans, as people and, and want to be able to provide people tools and strategies and practices and introduce them to mindsets about taking care of themselves for themselves and for those they lead and for those they love. And so that that part of work should feel the human spirit. Healthy leaders help create healthy cultures. Mm-hmm. And we often see this in the reverse when you have an unhealthy influence, right? That's your not drain it part of your motto. We can see that impact. Um, but what can we do to empower and empower and inform um, leaders to be able to create those climates in which everyone can thrive? And, and that's where the space I um, I just I, I, I love to work in. Yeah, that's awesome. We're definitely about creating environments for human flourishing. So that's that's what I see. We're super aligned on that. So, well, let's get to it. Let's start talking about continuous learning. Um, you, it, it was your top scores as far as your leadership competencies, and your one of your top driving forces is that you're a high intellectual, which wow. means you want to be in a learning position, continuously learning and growing, or you probably won't stay in a role for very long. <laughs> yes, comma. <laughs> we also saw that diplomacy is pretty high, so I'm also a huge people pleaser. So I have found myself in roles where I'm not learning as much as I want to, but I will stay because I want to make sure everyone around me is happy as well. Yeah. But like left to my own devices, yes, um, learning is is absolutely essential. I've been doing it formally as a as an older adult I started grad school gosh now seven-ish years ago a little bit later than many um but that was was the time I needed it and I was ready for it and that was that formal learning stage and that has just opened uh, so many um new areas to me to dig into. And I love that you used the word flourishing earlier because mm-hmm. that's a big, I mean, that is positive psychology in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. I, I use thrive in my motto because it's shorter spelling, but yeah, flourishing. It's like, how do we flourish? And and I I, I have very much spent a lot of time now studying positive psychology and, and bringing positive psychology practices through my work to others to really get to the point where how, how do we live our best life? How do we flourish? How do we how do we not just be okay? How do we be great? And, and that part of learning is just learning the science of, of, say, positive psychology, but then that practice of, of learning how to help introduce others to it and help um, provide different ways for people to find growth within themselves, recognizing we're all very different. Mm-hmm. And, and that's also, I think it's an awesome, a super fun challenge is learning how to best um, help others um, with a diverse skill set. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I found in my, uh, I don't know, the last, I've been in higher ed, I've taught in higher ed and worked in healthcare and worked with leaders and been an executive coach and all these things. And I've really found it's really quick. It's a really, you can really find out really quickly if somebody's interested in learning or if they've got this learn it all mindset or know it all mindset. 
or growth mm-hmm. mindset, fixed mindset. But I can mm-hmm. really tell pretty quickly if somebody is curious and they really want to learn and to know. And that is the people that I really want to work with. And I, I suspect you're, you, you're at that place too where you're trying to find the people that want to learn and grow and who don't think they have it all figured out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's who I serve. And so um, I'm, I'm now doing this privately. So I, I guess I get the luxury of, of being here for people who are ready for that. And, and it's, it's pretty cool when someone comes with that um, curiosity, that, that mm-hmm. desire to grow and learn and change. And, and I, I am so grateful that over these last couple of decades, we've, we've the scientific community, and I guess all of us as a whole have have realized and accepted like we can learn all throughout our lives and we're not fixed. I mean, this is the the basis of Carol Dweck's, I think her initial work, Dr. Dweck. Um, but like we can continue to learn and grow and and how important that is um, to do, right? And mm-hmm. so it's fun, it's valuable for our long-term health, certainly in our relationships, but it is what drives me. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to know that. Don't you, I mean, what at what point did you, kind of figure out that it really drives you, that you need to continuously learn and grow to be stimulated. Um, some people might think they're burned out and there's actually a thing called bore out. And yeah. it is yeah, like Adam, Adam Grant's new book, um, Hidden Potential, really talks about bore out um, and, and the difference between burnout and bore out. And I've found myself in roles where I wasn't burnout. I was bored mm-hmm. of not learning and not growing. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree completely. And and um, thankfully, the professions I've been in, they've there's been a lot of variety of challenges, um, to say the least. But I have worked towards those places in which, and I don't think even think it was intentional. It's just kind of what I've gravitated towards those roles in which I've been able to learn. I even look back at my FBI career and and we have the benefit of getting very, very deep. If you want to focus in on an area as an agent, especially for the course of your career, you can get very deep in that area. I found that every few years I was ready for something else. And Mm -hmm. so it wasn't just a little change. It was like switching from criminal investigations to counterterrorism investigations and then switching over to counterintelligence and bringing cyber in and and big, like we have major investigative chunks in the Bureau. And so bringing, going and seeking out a way to launch into a completely new, um, a new area of focus. I wasn't even really intentionally, I wasn't thinking about learning. I just thought like I, once I've got something I feel okay about it, I'm ready for a new challenge. And yeah. and um, I love also bringing something from one place into that new role. And it's because we can learn in that capacity too. So a, a investigative technique or strategy that might work in one area, whether geographic or investigative field, and then bringing it to a different one and trying it in this other field and helping other people learn that strategy too, I found very um, rewarding. Yeah, that's really great. I love that. I I found myself too. It was about three to four years, right when you gain the competency and the confidence Mm -hmm. for the role. Then it's just like, 
okay, like I'm ready for a new challenge. Um, it's and, and the great thing about working in the operating room in surgery was that I could do that too. Like there's mm -hmm. a lot of specialties. You can work in OBGYN, you can work in ortho, you can work in um, plastics, it, a variety of different things where you can learn, but not every, I've, you know, not every organization is like that, right? Um, or maybe they're in an office job or, or they're a leader and they don't have any development opportunities. Um, yeah. Those are the those are the things that I think we need to really look at as it as it relates to retaining our employees, right? For sure, yeah. I mean, I've had folks, I've um, friends, peers, folks I've supervised before that are high in this drive to learn as well. That if opportunities aren't they're going to find the opportunities. Someone who's high in this drive is going to find those opportunities, I yeah. think. But if they're not um, accessible to them or if we're creating a, or not even, not even creating, but we've got to be able to help break down some barriers at time to get them access to those opportunities. Otherwise, that I've, I've seen it, like that drive will continue to pull someone towards something else. And so as a leader, that's very important to recognize if you've got someone who wants more, it doesn't mean that what you're doing isn't important and valuable to them. Um, but maybe you can see if they want something to help complement that, some additional areas that they can flourish in mm -hmm. and, and support them in those capacities in addition to their work. Think carefully not to over, or overburden them, of mm -hmm. course, but they're gonna they're gonna be drawn to it anyhow. And so I've had a couple of times where I've been very deliberate about helping to facilitate those opportunities that they've already found. Absolutely. That's great. So can you tell me some stumbling blocks that you've come along the way as it relates to maybe not getting the learning opportunities or not taking the learning opportunities that you wish you had? Like how has regret maybe been a good teacher or just just any experiences that you want to share? Uh, I am. I don't know if I've like had any honestly stumbling blocks from not being able to seek out learning opportunities, but I do recognize in some professions, such as the one I came from, because I moved around in these chunks every few years, I constantly was starting over. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly at the beginning or the bottom. And, and so like, I never went high in the organization. That was a choice I made. Had I stayed in a one single one of those paths, I probably could have had I, well, I know I could have, I probably would have had I wanted to, but because I, I kept starting over, um, that's fine. That was a choice I made, but I also recognize like, at least I felt it myself. Like I was always having to reprove myself. So beginning in a new area with new colleagues, starting back from kind of the beginning in that mm -hmm. specific focus area, I would say that would be something um, I, you know, I wouldn't change it now, hindsight being 2020 because of the growth that gave me, but I do know going through those at the time, it can be very, very frustrating um, because people just, you know, you're just, you're just the new one. Yeah. And even though you're senior, you're still new in that area. And so it takes a great deal of humility and a great deal of openness, um, sometimes to reverse mentorship to, mm -hmm. to the folks who are more, again, air quotes, junior to you, uh, to help them teach you and educate you and partner with you on, on things. 
Yeah, that's a great point. Um, also, I noticed like you've moved around a lot and that's a whole start over too. Like I've lived outside the country bef as well and what I do and with my children. And I know that when you move to another community and another land and another language and another culture, you are starting from scratch from and you make fast friends and you have you. So not just in the work but in, in where you're living and how you're navigating that. So how did that shape you? That is also a great, great question. I, all the way back to my army time, it was, it was baked into the army experience. And so everyone's moving and transitioning all the time and people are very, get very good at it. Everyone's used to it. It's very much integrated into that, that culture, but also the systems and processes that support the organization. And so you come in, you have a cohort of people who arrived around the same time as you, Those that's your group, those are your people. And, and that's who you go through those few years with and that experience. And then you go on different places. And I still, some of my closest friends ever are in far flung corners of the world, but we get together. It's like no time has passed because of that shared experience. And that's pretty amazing. Um, in the Bureau, not as much with the movement. You can stay in one place, but many, many people do move because if you want different opportunities, unless you've started in Washington, DC or New York or Los Angeles, you're generally gonna need to move for additional opportunities. Mm -hmm. And those are just because those are some of our biggest are our biggest locations with the most personnel. And and so you're going to need to move. Yeah, it is. It is um, because not everyone moves. It is sometimes a little bit challenging to to connect. Um, but I think internally, there's that recognition of of the of the job now in a community that can be a little bit challenging as well. So I don't know. Our, our trick was always a great dog. Great <laughs> <laughs> dog. Just bring a dog. Some countries have to quarantine. <laughs> sometimes they have to quarantine. Sometimes they don't, right? Yeah, our dog was always like our the people were like, oh, you're some, you know, Rainey's parents. And we're like, yeah. oh, they're not really his parents. He's a dog. But yes, we're Rainey's people and awesome. So nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that. But it takes effort. All joking aside, it takes absolute effort to develop, um, create roots within a community. I think it takes courage too. There's not a lot of people willing to uproot and leave their hometown or the, where they've been raised, their comfort and to move across the world and mm -hmm. take their kids, their dogs, whatever, and be open to being the outsider, to learning new languages, learning how to ride a subway, learning just that is a huge learning opportunity that I didn't know would teach me so much until I did it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's as you're saying that, I'm realizing that's probably why I just, I mean, I love different cultures. And I think there's that, I have appreciation for a diversity in humanity, but I also think that there's a, that additional challenge there, that learning challenge. And yeah, I think that's a, probably a big part of it. <laughs> I just got goosebumps because I, I feel that too. Like I, can't, I can't get enough travel. I, I got wanderlust. Like when I, when I, when I moved to China, I lived in Shanghai for 
Huh. Most three years, and that was, and then traveling all over that side of the world while I was over there in the in those three years. But I I really learned so much about myself. I even learned a lot about U.S. culture looking outside in. Yeah, yeah. More than I could learn living in the culture. Like when you're in the weeds, it's hard to see it, but when you come out, you see things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. and your vision never goes back. Like once you've seen this, these different perspectives, it's like you've zoomed out instead of just being constantly um, close up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I tried that with my kids this summer. I took them. This is my big like retirement gift to myself and the big five zero birthday and all that. Yeah. So saved up for a long time, and I took them on a three week trip in Europe this nice. summer. And, um, that was my, and we just, you know, went cheap trains and you know, cheap hotels and well, cheap is all relative. The hostel that we stayed at in Switzerland was more expensive than any hotel I would ever stay at in the States. <laughs> it's all relative. However, the, the kids, I was hoping that we were, and my husband was a part of the, you know, planning on this and we chose it to be a mommy daughter trip and hoping to plant that seed for them for mm-hmm. that future love of exploration and appreciation and confidence mm-hmm. and courage like you said that's mm-hmm. so cool well i think it 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 does it comes out generationally to your love and learning of curiosity i'm seeing that play out in my daughter now well both of my kids as well one of my daughter actually is now working for Alaska Airlines Ooh, and she's traveling that. all around and mom gets free, free flights now. So, wow, nice. <laughs> so I can't wait to explore a little bit, um, yeah. and, yeah. um, with her, but, but I recognize that that need for learning and continuous growth is something that's contagious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it I think it is contagious. And as we're I'm realizing again as we're talking, it's not just the book learning, it's life learning. Yeah. You know, so much broader than just an intellectual, if you will, capacity or cognitive capacity mm. in our traditional academic sense. It's it's just life learning and um yeah, travel is a big part of that. It is or can, it is for me. It is for me too. It it just it's like that Mark Twain quote. I can't remember exactly, but it's the one. It's the one thing that will keep you from bigotry and everything else. Like is to just n- not stay in your own corner of the world for the whole life. Like get out and at least see the world and and get to know people and and learn about different cultures and learn about different values and and how we differ and and be okay with all those differences. Be okay with it. Yep. Be okay with it. Yeah. And that takes a great deal confidence and understanding where you're starting from, but also openness and, and again, humility. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Intellectual humility, as well as just being hu- humble about, mm-hmm. you know, we all have more areas to learn and to grow. The yes. What I really learned, and I took, I went into grad school a lot later in life too. Um, well, just in later in life in general, just because of my upbringing. But um, one thing I learned is that even like when I take a photography class or let's say photography or fly fishing, for example, my husband's a big fly fisherman. As soon as you get into something, you're like, this is cool. This is awesome. I like photography um, or I like fly fishing. And next thing you know, there's a whole world that you didn't even know existed. 
when you start to take a course on it, right? Like you get you get your toe wet and then all of a sudden you're like, what, there's apertures and f-stops and ISO and, and framing and, you know, world of thirds. And like, you're just, there's so, once you know, learn, you learn how much you don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's like, wait, what? Yeah. It's the same thing with like anything you learn, you just learn how much you don't know. And then that right. brings on humility. It's just like, yeah. whoa, I think I'm good at photography. And then I take an intro to photography class and learn. I don't yeah. know the first thing about it, but I have, I like it, right? And it's fun. And I have an eye, but I don't know why until until you get really into the weeds with that stuff. But I, I really find the more I know, more I learn, the more I know I don't know. I agree completely. Yes, yes. And and that can be fun. It can be, I mean, certainly eye-opening, but hopefully if you're pre- approaching it with that uh, perspective taking of um, just appreciation for the different geniuses and the different intelligences mm. that people have, um, all the better. I laugh because I say I ski. I I love skiing. My husband and kids are really good downhill skiers. Mm. I am there with them on the groom trail while they're doing whatever and we'll meet at the bottom and and people on the east coast when they talk about oh they go skiing like world world right like <laughs> i love it am i at this point really afraid of taking a big tumble and breaking a collarbone or mm-hmm. some worse yes yeah <laughs> but i see these people out there and i'm like oh my gosh so sometimes we can even become hesitant to say we love something because we we recognize there's so many different levels beyond us Mm -hmm. of of greatness out there. And I, I hope people um, don't ever take that as a lesson from learning just because you're not all the way at the advanced expert level. um, It's still important to you and keep pursuing it at whatever pace you're driven to. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love that. And staying curious about it and and being willing to be a beginner at anything, mm-hmm. right? I think mm-hmm. that's part yeah. of it. Just yeah, that beginner's with... mind is a big, I mean, a big thing people talking about just approaching learning from a beginner's mindset. Mm-hmm. And being okay with failing and falling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just don't fall fast. Don't get hurt. <laughs> just don't fall when you're going fast. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, let's apply that to leadership. So... Think about people being a leader and thinking, I love leading, I love leading my team. But I bet you anybody that's listening to this, they didn't, when they got into leadership, they thought it was going to be a lot different than what it actually is, right? (laughs) Maybe they got promoted because they're good at their job. And that's a lot of tasks. And that's a lot of things that they do. And maybe they had nothing to do with leading people or understanding people, right? And then all of a sudden... There's so much to learn and so many things to take into account. And we're all complicated, right? And relationships are complicated. And so they have emotions and they have drives and they have behaviors and they have, you know, morals and like all of these values and purpose and and so many things. We're so diverse. Mm-hmm. And so it's a thing that we can't just wing. It's It's another skill that takes courses. It takes understanding like what actually works, um, learning from other leaders, learning what works with human behavior, what works with human performance improvement, um, what we know, what the science actually says about 
Yeah. What motivation says, does carrots yeah. and sticks work? No, it doesn't long-term. We know that. We know there are some things we know. And mm -hmm. so I think that's what what is helpful is when we can bring tools and frameworks and experience and wisdom to the table and share those with with the people that we're working with or share it out on a podcast like this because there are some people that are self-starters that are listening to this because they're just trying to glean wisdom. They're trying to learn from people who will be vulnerable enough to share how they learn the hard way. That's right. one of the ways I learn best. I agree completely. <laughs> and it, as, as you're talking about leadership, I mean, that was the, I guess the start of my last seven year journey into really being intentional and deliberate about my learning and growth. And it started because I was uh, back in a leadership role and what had worked for me previously wasn't as effective in a new environment. And I was like, well, hey, I want to get, like, I need to get better at this and I'm going to go to grad school. Right? <laughs> so I started that process. Yeah. You don't have to go to grad school to learn, learn this, but I, um, and it took me a while, like trying different things on. I love that my grad degree was in the organizational leadership and, and I had um, great exposure to different leadership practices and theories and behaviors. And ultimately I came to that conclusion that, yeah, you're, it's not something we're born with. It's something we need to work on and develop and train. Um, I settled on the idea of authenticity is, is being myself is when I'm most pure, when I'm most true to myself is when I lead in the the best way, being the most effective way, but focusing on connection with others, because mm -hmm. that's something that I value greatly. But also there's a situational component to it. And, and depending upon many factors, like where someone is in their career, where someone is in their expertise in a field. And remember me, like 15 plus years in the Vera, I'm switching major chunks. I might have been in the organization well, but I'm brand new learning something else. And different people need different things at different stages. Mm -hmm. um, different people need different levels of um, recognition or appreciation or engagement. And so as a new leader or as an experienced leader who's still a student of the art of leadership and the science of leadership, it's really valuable to continue to connect with what is what is out there um, to help you lead best in whatever circumstance you're in. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up the situational piece. That's one of the other tools that we use is situational leadership. Mm -hmm. Can, yeah. um, because you're right, in, not even where the person is, but where they are on the tasks in their job. Some of us are really good at certain tasks in our job, but we might need help in different tasks. And the time we come on when we're new, we need a little bit more handholding than we do a couple months into the, you know, a few months into the job or when we're senior in the job. So giving leaders the tools to understand how to lead their teams, when to lead them, what they, when they need more coaching, when they need more directing, when they need more support or when they can just kind of fly, right? And 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 taking that down to the tasks and not just the person, because that one person that's been their senior doesn't mean they're competent in all of the tasks in their job. So yeah, all of these things are things to think about and ways to get, you know, to learn about and and some really amazing frameworks that work around the world and have helped people to become in, in really amazing leaders. But 
most people that are in good le- in leadership roles that are effective are learning about being a leader and what that yeah. means like what that means yes and i once i realized that i became a better follower like I was like, man, I got to give my leaders a break because when you get into it and you realize how, how layered and complicated, rewarding at, at yeah. times, topic can be whatever, all those things. But I'm just like, I've got to be a better follower too. Mm-hmm. And I've just got to do my best in whatever role I'm in. And I really see this as roles and relationships. So whatever part of that relationship I'm in, you know, or that role in that relationship I'm in. Um, I just wanted, yeah, I, I worked hard to, to be the, yeah, again, a better follower, a better team member, um, realizing we can't have this all like pushed onto one person. And that's why I love to support leaders now because their heart, um, their heart is in it. Like they're working really, really hard and it's tough. Leadership is tough. Absolutely. They, they're often feeling alone and, and many of them, can't share everything with their team or they can't share everything with their board. Um, they, there's certain things that they really need some support with and, um, emotional support and also some outside perspective and some tools and just some wisdom. Everybody does better with someone helping and mentoring and giving them the tools that they need to be more, you know, more productive. So, So I'm glad that you are, you know, you go down that path and that you're, you're really there to support leaders in that role. And I love that you, you, you are in this authentic space of, I know what that feels like. I know what it's like, and this is what I want to do, um, to help make a difference in their lives. Because as we mentioned earlier, it really does come back to their home lives too. It's not just their work lives. Like this is their life. And they're putting mm-hmm. the majority of their time at work. Mm-hmm. And you're taking the biggest chunk of their day, right? Like mm-hmm. of their free time with their families where they'd rather be, right? And right. so we need to make work a place where people are thriving and flourishing and and give them the tools to be successful. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that looks like coaching. Sometimes it looks like courses. Sometimes it looks like... Um, the whole team needs some training. Like it, you're specifically wanting to work with the leaders, right? Is in the coaching realm. Yeah, leaders and leadership teams. Leadership teams. Just because of that impact mm-hmm. a leadership team has throughout um, throughout that organization or their arm of that organization for their cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. I'm. We're getting to the point where I want to ha- have you share. What would you tell yourself, your 20-year-old self, if you could if you could tell yourself what you know now? Oh, so much, right? But in regards um, to this, I spent a lot of time, like like 20, 30, 40-year-old self, right? Like let's go through the decades, mm-hmm. a lot of time trying to prove myself to others. And thinking that in others' approval, I would um, find my own approval for myself. And perhaps this is a function of working in environments in which I'm like in the minority because of my gender. I don't know. I've just been always very uh, performance oriented and 
never quite felt good enough. So long before imposter term was a as a you know term people recognize, I, I had experienced it for a very, very long period of time. And part of me is like, man, I wish I I could have then known like it's all going to be okay. But the the other piece to that is I do believe because I've gone through that, like all of our 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 struggles are with with looking at them and and the beginning and the middle and then afterwards with with openness and reflection we can begin to realize like our struggles make us who we are and so had I 20 year old 30 year old 40 year old been super confident and known everything was good I don't think I'd be doing what I am now because I wouldn't have had to learn as as I have and I wouldn't have had to develop these skills and these practices um, to help um, bring um, wholeness to others. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, it's a, it's a tough one, right? Like I, I know because of that, I am where I'm at doing, honestly, I feel like this is where my, who I am, my strengths meet my, this is kind of like, I think why I'm here. Right. Yeah. And so I don't think I would have found this had I, um, yeah, had I had I not had to go through those challenges and struggles, but I do wish I could just reassure that younger me, like it is going to work out, right? And so that is part of my that is actually my leadership mantra is embracing this space. I'm pulled from Viktor Frankl's work, mm-hmm. "Man's Search for Meaning," but this recognition, like we don't always know, we rarely know how something's going to turn out when we're in the midst of it, and I've learned through a lot of practice, um, through a lot of reflection, that that space to just be okay in the gap of when something happens and when the outcome comes and just learn to be okay, not knowing. Mm -hmm. And I've even had to recognize like there are things I might not ever know, at least here and now on this earth, like why and I've got to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, things that have happened in my life, when I look back, you know, the benefit of hindsight, if you can follow a little thread, a silver thread or a silver lining to something good that came out of it, sometimes it has nothing to do with me. Like I've learned that too. Like this challenge for me ended up because of this really crazy thing I went through, an opportunity for someone else. Really, it absolutely, like, and so through that and a lot of reflection, I've looked back and learned, like, it, 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 like we just don't often have that control. We don't know. Sometimes we won't ever know. But this helps me going forward. And it helps me to know that whatever is in front of me, I've just got to kind of embrace that space and, and be whole, as whole as I can in that process. Oh, I love that. Welcome to midlife. That's the 50-year-old perspective. <laughs> I have it too. I recently read Viktor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meaning too a couple years ago. And what a what a game changer yeah. to have that perspective. Um, that's a must read for our listeners. Yes, um, for sure. Absolutely. Um, but I, I think really what you're talking about too is just learning to surrender to life as it is, not how you wish it was. Yeah. And and there's a lot of peace in that. And there's a lot of peace in accepting life as it is and and holding space like you said and being okay with increasing your uncertainty tolerance. That is a skill too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Absolutely. not always having to know the answers and the outcomes and not be so outcome focused and just be okay, mm-hmm. you know, and trust the process, trust the journey and know, and also come into your own inner strength of what you've already overcome. Think about the things you've already overcome. And that's been a skill that I've really started to tap into is thinking about everything that I've already overcome and how much more I could do. You know, we always, we tend to think I couldn't handle this. I couldn't handle that. But these are all just stories too, that we're telling ourselves. And the reality is we'd handle anything that was given to us. It's, we don't even know what we're capable of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just love that. Um, uncertainty tolerance. It's a beautiful way of putting that. I think this is a core fundamental of resilience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. That's one of the things I feel like I have a PhD in. <laughs> resilience or uncertainty. <laughs> no, resilience. It's not what something you want to, but, but looking back, I, I have learned the in life. I think that that's the one thing that I have become is super resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, and it resilience doesn't come without the hard things. No, it doesn't, right? If things are good, I mean, it's I, I don't even know. I don't even think it's not resilience. I don't know what it is. It's just go with the flowness. Yeah. But whenever I talk about resilience with everyone, I bring up Dr. Chris Peterson out of the late Dr. Christopher Peterson out of University of Michigan, and he was one of the founders of positive psychology mm-hmm. with Mark, Dr. Martin Seligman out of UPenn many, many, many years ago. He explained resilience as the ability to struggle well, mm-hmm. and that was just that. If I could put a pin on a timeline of my life when it was like, wow, that's it. That is that moment. So anyone who's ever had a five-minute conversation with me has probably heard me talk about the ability to struggle well, because that is so important to recognize how how necessary struggle is to growth, to resilience, to learning. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a part of life. Yes, it is. And... So that's the lesson that wraps it up as far as being learning and learning. Part of that is resilience. And what do you learn from everything that comes, every hard lesson that comes? What is the teacher, even your worst boss that you've ever had? What did they teach you? Your anti-heroes can be your teachers. Your mentors can be your teachers. You can learn from anyone as long as you're willing. Mm-hmm. And they can teach so, you what not to do as well as what to do. And so, oh, man, I, I can't wait to, like, see you face-to-face when I'm in Boise and, like, talk about resilience, talk, uh, talk about so our fun. ability to struggle well. <laughs> yes, beautiful. I love it. I love it. Thank you. This is this is great. Thanks for all of this. What you do, I, I it's awesome to be able to help people find their way to some of these things, um, just this openness to all the all the different things that we each bring to the table and how important they are. I I agree. And I'm I'm just grateful that you took the time to be on the podcast and that you're putting good out into the world. Lord knows there's multiple people that need it. There's mm-hmm. plenty of abundance to go around. There's many people <laughs> that need help and want help and you're just for them. So um, how can people find you? Oh, yeah. My website, leadingwellstrategies.com or on LinkedIn, Sarah G. Draper. Um, yeah, so would love to connect. If nothing else, just have a, 
of a call about whatever's on your mind. And, and there's probably some things I can just share with you that might be, you know, food for thought or, or be a, you know, be a sounding board for, for someone or a, a mirror if you need it. But yeah, Leading Well Strategies is, is the name of my website and my company. Awesome. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and I can't wait to see you in Boise next time I'm over. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leader You podcast. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this, please like, subscribe, and share with others. Have a great day. With love, Ange. Angela Leone's EQ course has been enlightening and eye-opening. I've really enjoyed Angie's unique perspective and her ability to put things in a way that I can use emotional intelligence on the day-to-day. Um, the coursework has been educational and really enjoyable. I find myself looking forward to each coaching call and the coursework as it comes along. It's It's been very educational without being overwhelming. I've been able to utilize it in the day-to-day workplace as well as in my personal relationships, and I really, really enjoy being able to grow in the emotional intelligence space. Mm-hmm.